Welcome to the Community Savings Bank Collaborative. Uh, my name is Liz Rude with Community Savings Bank. I'm a Vice President of Lending here in the Ag and Commercial, and I'm excited to host today's episode of CSB Collaborative. Today, I'm happy to have Matt Tobin here at High Point Land Company to talk about agricultural land values and, of course, a little bit of football. Um, so welcome, Matt, to the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Liz. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so to start off, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got started with the High Point Land Company? All right. So, yeah, I grew up just outside of Worthington, Iowa. Um, my parents worked in manufacturing. Uh, both my uncles, I had two uncles that did dairy farming. And so I kind of was intrigued with farming and land at a, from a young age. And then, of course, my dad uh, raised me with hunting. So I, I have a strong passion for hunting and the recreational side, timber side of, of the ground here in eastern Iowa. Um, as far as High Point, I, I got involved with High Point after uh, my first career playing football in the NFL. And I was doing sales or, I guess, looking for properties for myself. I bought my first farm in 2015 and then uh, helped some buddies buy, buy farms. I bought a couple other little pieces and sold a couple. And it was just a natural fit um, after after uh, playing football, what I was going to do next. And that's where I reached out to High Point and uh, took over that territory. As you know, right now, the real estate market is pretty much the unknown for everybody, it seems like, these days. And we never know what's going to happen next. Um, so I guess, you know, in your experience currently of what's going on, what's your personal anticipation of what the real estate markets might do next over the next couple of years? Yeah, so just looking back, um, the volume, I think, is going to change more than anything. 2021 and 2022, it, it, was, it skyrocketed. I mean, it was mm -hmm. two, three, four, five times more than a typical year in each, you know, quarter or each month. So I think we're going to get back to, you know, 2018, 19, 20 volume-wise, and it's going to feel like there's not a lot moving, but there's still going to, you know, it's just the normal because everybody's gotten used to the 2021 and 2022 years. Yep. Um, so first, I think the volume is going to drop or go back to normal. And then I think um, looking into a crystal ball as far as prices, I think that's going to level off more so than, than pull back, especially locally. We still have a lot of small family farmers, mm -hmm. still get a lot of people calling looking to buy. Um, but, you know, central Iowa, there's a lot bigger, bigger farmers that are running 20,000 acres maybe. And those prices, I think, will pull back a little bit. But locally, I think we're just going to plateau off. So what would you say in this area is kind of an average per acre value that you're seeing going around the, we'll say, the Dubuque, Clayton, Delaware, Buchanan County areas? Yeah. Um, if we're talking just straight tillable ground, yep. we're, you know, depending on the quality, but but typically you're looking at like $190 per CSR two-point up to 250 So that equates out to like fifteen to 20000 an acre. So if I'm not mistaken, then with High, like High Point Land Company, you have different jurisdictions that you kind of go over. So like yeah, what, what, area, or territory, yep. what territory is your primary territory? Like where do you base right. most yep. of your stuff out so of? So most of the counties I do work in is Dubuque, Delaware, Clayton, Jackson, and Jones. I've sold a farm in uh, Buchanan County, 360 acres, a couple falls ago. A um, little bit up, a little further north, Clayton County, Fayette County, but typically those five counties, Dubuque, Delaware, Jackson, Jones, and Clayton County. Okay. But you guys are all over and you'll pretty much yeah, we got agents anywhere. Yep, yep. Yep. We got agents anywhere in uh, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Missouri, and then uh, an agent out in Colorado. 
so, you know, in your past experience, then you've, I'm sure you've seen a lot of interesting uh, situations going on. Is there uh, a most memorable sale that you've seen or most interesting sale or something that you never um, expected that occurred? Yeah, I've had a couple very memorable ones. One of the main ones, I guess, was a hometown deal. You know, I grew up in Worthington and I got to sell probably one of the better farms outside of Worthington. It was 87 CSR2, which is hard to find around Worthington. <laughs> and it was a clean 160-acre farm, and the local bought it. You know, very ha- everybody was happy. The sellers were pumped. We got a you know an excellent number, and it was just a really cool experience to have in my own hometown. Yeah. And then a second one, um, I just built the relationship throughout the process with the seller. And uh, he was generally nervous, and I'm not. <laughs> so I don't get very anxious, but he made me anxious. And so that day we crushed ex- all expectations, and he is standing in the back, tears in his eyes, and is just like, yeah, this is why I do this. It ain't, it ain't about the money. It's just about the, the relationships and the people and doing right things for, for, for good people. Yep. From a fellow Worthington uh, resident, uh, you know, I definitely understand the – uh, small town relationships that you build and that customer relationship definitely runs deep and yes. the people that you meet along the way um, have you done a lot down in that area primarily or is there a certain jurisdiction or territory of your area that you've seen a lot of sales occurring or where are they at right now um i've done a lot of sales like the majority of my sales have been uh, dubuque county or clayton county uh, you know it's jones and jones and jackson county are a little not as much moves and it's held real tight. Um, but I've had, I did a few different listings over in Jackson County and help do a little, a few extra ones off market as well that no one really knows about. Those are kind of fun. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hush. It's the word, yep. right? Yep. Um, and you know, during this time frame, I'm sure you've seen lots of things that you kind of give your buyers and sellers, you know, some tips or bewares, watch out. Um, you know, is there anything that you'd like to share with people or that you share personally with your customers of things? Yeah. Um, just, I kind of broke that down into buyers and sellers and, Overall, with buyers in the current market, you just got to be ready. You know, talk with with Liz and get get prepared, get pre-approved. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also work with a real estate agent. You don't you don't have to have one, but if the they might have an inside track on an off-market deal or be the first one to tell you about this this listing that is coming. And so it just helps. You know, you might not need them in certain situations, but it definitely helps if you have someone keeping an eye on the market for you. Yeah. From the lending perspective, I would say that's a great tip considering there's so many different pieces and so much red tape with real estate in general, whether it's, you know, all across the board, commercial, ag, or residential, um, you know, working with somebody who's knowledgeable and understands all the disclosures and paperwork that comes with it is great. Right. And then, uh, as far as sellers, I just think it makes sense to get advice from someone you trust, whether that's an attorney or a lender that that has knowledge of the current market, because there's always shysters out there trying to take care, take advantage of the little old lady. So you know, just make sure you are protected and talk with people that that you trust, and that can be in real estate as well or a real estate agent as well. Yep. Um, so I did mention to our listeners that you know we're going to hear about a little bit of football today. And as some of you may know, Matt grew up in Worthington, Iowa, and he actually played high school football for Beckman Catholic High School in Dyersville, Iowa, and attended and played at the University of Iowa as an offensive tackle. And then after that, you moved to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, So how was your experience playing for the NFL and 
um, you know, what kind of experiences did you have along the way? Yeah, there were there were some really good experiences and there were some tough experiences. Um, it seems very glamorous from the outside looking on, you know, you get to see everybody on TV and playing and that's the cool part. But to get there is really hard and then to stay there is really hard. It's not easy at all. Um, so I'm thankful for my experiences, thankful for how far I made it. Um, thankful for the people I got to meet, play people I played with, the games I got to play in. You know, I'm thankful for all of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm even more thankful that I'm done and, and back home. <laughs> you found your true calling in the end of it, and it's not maybe football for the rest of your life. That's Is right. that what you're yep, saying? That was, that was all along I knew that wasn't going to be the case. It was just grind it out. <laughs> yeah. So how did you transition from the NFL into the real estate side of it when you made that choice that, you know, this isn't where you want to see yourself for the, the rest of your life. Type right. Of thing. So um, I love football, you know, helped coach Beckman the last couple of years. And uh, coming out of the NFL, I, I like to hunt. I stated mm-hmm. that I love to hunt, um, do big game hunts out west, a lot of different things, going to Alaska in August. And uh, I just wanted to take a year off after playing football you know, through college and the NFL. So I took a year off, tried to figure out what I wanted to do. I got a geoscience degree from Iowa. So I could go, you know, barred concrete or barred materials now, um, had an offer for me. And just I wanted more flexibility with having three young kids. So I had a guy really recruiting me to sell seed, uh, seed corn, and he was, like, beating the door down almost too much. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I either got to tell this guy yes or no at some point. And so I was looking, like I always did, whether I was a real estate agent or not, I was looking for land. <laughs> and so I was, High Point seemed like the only the only ones that had listings available in Clayton County, and I was just messing around their website and saw that they were looking for more agents. So I just reached out, and it kind of was a match made in heaven, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Fate came into place, right? That's right. Right place, right time. Yep. Um, so the skills that you learned in your NFL career and then going into this, you know, was yeah. there things that any uh, coaches or um, assistants or anything like that that really were monumental on that change and that you feel like their advice has helped you along the way to Definitely. your real estate it's, career? Yeah, there's a lot of things I learned with football that, that translate into being a real estate agent. Um, the main one, you know, one thing really that's super important being a real estate agent is communication, whether it's with the lender, the seller, the buyer, anybody, you just got to be able to communicate. You got to connect with people. You got to, you know, let them know that they can trust you more than anything. And so that, you know, playing offense line, you can't do anything if one guy sucks, you know, so (laughs) you got to have, bring everybody along. You got to communicate. That's the biggest thing. You got to communicate when it's, when you can't hear anything, you know, you got to do hand signals. You got to just look at each other sometimes and know what you're saying. So communication's big. And then, um, the other thing I thought was discipline and, and adaptability. Cause there's always things that pop up whether you're playing football or whether you're trying to sell a farm that, you know, there's an easement issue or there's a, somebody disagrees on something and you just gotta, you know, not make a mountain out of a molehill, smooth it out, get it fixed and, and see it through to the end. Yeah, that's, I mean, adaptability, that's not one you hear very often, but it's very true, especially in today's day and age. We don't know what's going to happen next, whether it's personal life and the real estate markets. and Right, and that's, you, know. you could look at that as a small scale of one farm, or you could look at it as a broad market, you know, who knows what 10 years from now is like. Exactly. Um, what words of advice would you give to any listeners that are looking to make a land purchase today? Yeah, I would say get in get in contact with the ag lender first, um, get 
prepared for, you know, the size of property, the type of property, you know, what you're approved for, how much your down payment is, what the interest rate's going to be, all of the above. Get Kind of have it all lined out so you're prepared when the right farm comes up or a farm comes up that, that could be an option because things have moved pretty quick recently in the current market. So you're suggesting don't wait until you see the property to go get that approval. Yeah, because more than likely <laughs> then it, it'll, someone else will buy it that was already pre-approved. Yep. Uh, most of those deals run probably pretty quick. You know, what's the average time that a property is on the market right now that, you know, how, how fast do you need to move when you see something that's coming that interests a person? Right. Um, it depends on the situation, but, you know, within a week, a lot of times, even recreational properties, you know, I listed a property up by Edgewood and, you know, within a week we had it off market already. It was already pending. So it's it definitely helps when someone's pre-approved yeah. for everybody involved you know for the seller because then they trust that you're you're real and then the real estate agent and your banker everything goes way smoother yeah now i know you've had some uh, good experiences and high point land also offers different options for selling property um you know the standard putting it on the market people come look at it give you an offer versus mm-hmm. you actually offer an auction service so tell us a little bit about how that portion of things works then. You Good know. question. So recently you can't keep up with what the market's doing. Like I, you've, Liz calls me and says, hey, I want to sell my 160-acre tillable farm. I can tell her what it should sell for, but if if it goes to auction, you, it might go for way more. You know, you, And so you don't want to leave any meat on the bone typically. Some people have different goals, but typically they don't want to leave any any extra money on the table. And so uh, that that is a perfect situation. The mostly tillable farms we have – um, suggested to go to a live auction. We do live and online auction simultaneously. And then uh, more recreational side or or if the market swings down, then I see more listings coming and, you know, just put a price tag on it. We're happy if we get this and then uh, go from there. And it also allows the seller to have a little bit more control. Yeah. So did you see the auction side of it is that maybe slowing down a little bit or is that still the same is it yeah they're yeah overall um people are choosing more to go listings than auctions yeah for a while there it seemed like every couple nothing, of weeks you were having auctions, auctions. Yep. right yeah yeah and then the other thing there's a couple other ways of doing it like a sealed bid auction um if you know you don't want it the whole public marketing and everything like that that's a that's a good option and then also just an off-market deal but like i've said i've done a few of those and they went pretty well as well so do you think that there's a, a real benefit for certain types of sellers that would be beneficial for them to do the auction? Um, I guess ones that come to mind is anybody that's going through an estate or trust with numerous family members, things like that. Do you see a lot of them going that route? So it's, you know, what, whatever the final offer is, it is, you don't have to worry about. Right. Um, yeah, the, what I see the best way to go for an auction is like if it's a super aggressive neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, you got multiple people wanting to buy the farm. They, they lived in that neighborhood. And if it's an estate situation mm-hmm. and they just want everybody to have a fair shot at it, they don't want to go call Bob and say, Hey, you get it. Yep. You know, what, what's your highest price? And he buys it and everybody else is mad because they never even, well, I would have paid more than that, you know? So it's just the fairest way Yep. Um, where in certain situations, maybe there's just one farmer that is or one buyer that is substantially more aggressive mm-hmm. then that's probably a listing situation or an off-market deal yeah and you help to navigate people through yep. kind of figuring out what those best options are yeah definitely yeah. And it, you know just studying and following the market the last few years you know i pretty much know every sale of <laughs> in every county i run you know so yep um 
you know, and, and selling and talking about estates here, you know, that's kind of a hot topic. Um, mm-hmm. We recently did the succession planning and tr- uh, transitioning seminar. Uh, we had a great turnout, but I know everybody's still questioning what's the next phase, what do we do next? Um, you know, and as many farmers are looking at retiring over the next few years and transitioning their farms to other family members, uh, we discussed how, you know, here at CSB, we work with Raymond James Financial Services. Uh, they do what's called the Deferred Sales Trust Option that helps to defer taxes when they're making large estate sales. Um, and then we use Raymond James as their intermediary. Have you been able to do anything like that? Is that something, an option that, or a tool that you have in your back pocket that you're working at kind of yes, making definitely. available for yep. people? Um, that's a kind of a new new option to sellers locally, I would say. You know, it's kind of new to everybody, but it's not actually new. Um, and it's a great option for, for retiring farmers that have a lot of life left in them. You know, if they're going to live 10, 20, 30 more years, it's a great option because it's basically you just put the money into the trust. You sell it, whether it's to your son or to on a live auction or a listing or whoever. You just take the funds of that, put it in a trust, and then take it out in installments, which helps with some tax liability issues and things like that. Yeah, and, and those are interest-bearing accounts that they go into. Right, so yep. it's almost like it's just you have it in a, you know, a fee-based account with any other financial advisor. Kind of setting themselves up to get a paycheck every month or right. however they set it up. Yep, then there's a lot of different, op, you know, ways you can take it out. Yep. You know, there's a lot of cool different things you can do with it. Yeah, so, I mean, down the road you see that being much more of a bigger option because I know the big topic is taxes. Everybody's concerned about those capital gains and paying all the taxes. Yeah, I think it's definitely a really good option for, like I said, the people that have a lot of life left in them. You know, yep. if, if you're 90 and you don't know how long you're going to live um, and you have a couple kids, I think it's better probably not to do that because then you get the step up in basis. You know, if you sell a, you wait and then your kids sell your farm at four million bucks, you get all four million, you know, but, but if you were to sell it two years before you passed away, well, then you're, you know, you're paying them ta- taxes at that point. So kind of each, each situation's got to get looked at by the experts and figure out which is the best route to go. Yep. And I know everybody's concerned about making sure they have enough at the end of it to pay all their bills and everything else that they still have going through, even though it's, you know, after the farming phase. Right. Absolutely. So as we know, the last year has been very interesting. Um, is what is the biggest challenge that you feel like that is going on right now? And I guess how are you working on tackling that? I think the biggest challenge is seller expectations, and I don't think the market's pulled back. But I think, you know, somebody hears the you know the farm ten miles away sold for twenty thousand. Well, that's a different twenty thousand acre. That's a different neighborhood, and it's uh, probably a better farm most of the time if it went for twenty thousand. <laughs> yep. And so. Just explaining that to them, you know, showing them other different comparables, knowing the market. I guess that's how I tackle it. Yeah. It's just knowing the market, to, you know, knowing every sale, whether it's off market, uh, live public auction listing, you name it, knowing what things are selling for and, and communicating that with them. Finding the details of where the location is, that kind of right. stuff. Right. Yep. And then, and then the, that's on the seller side. On the buyer side, I'd say is, you know, finding them a property i'm sure all like anybody any buyer that is listening to this they're gonna be like yeah i can't find one you know someone Mm -hmm. find me one and so finding them the property and that again how you tackle that is have the relationships with with people that might know one's coming you know you name it anything like that um so if somebody let's say is looking at a land piece of property out there and they go out there and they see that it's 400 plus acres 
you know, do they have the option to contact somebody like you? And is it ever possible if maybe they're only looking that they know they can afford 200 acres and that property could be split? Is that a possibility? Do people do that? Definitely. Um, you know, is that something they can contact you and work through maybe with the sellers and figure out a happy medium? Yes, there's there's options of that way when you're talking. I My head jumped around a few different places, but definitely, you know, reach out to me and I can reach out to the seller and see if they'd be willing to split it up. Mm-hmm. But then additionally, I got a long list of investors that, that could help out with that. You know, they partner them, they buy a 200, the other guy, an investor buys 200 with potential of uh, them buying the, the remainder 200 in, in years to come. And then they basically do a first right of refusal and then That's they right. can purchase it down their own. Yep. Gotcha. Well, and a lot of people, you know, do you deal most, I should say, do you deal at all much with the smaller acreages? That seems to be a very hot topic for everybody wants a small, you know, five yeah. to 10 acres out in the country or right. just the 30 acre section that they can go do whatever they want. <laughs> is, is that stuff? That- everybody does want that. <laughs> I get calls all the time for yep. people looking like looking for that. Um, and I personally usually don't. I refer yep. them to a couple of residential realtors in each county yep. um, and let them handle that. And then uh, I, I just want to be really good at what I do. And that's um, tillable land auctions and recreational hunting farms. But they, they can still contact you at least. Yes, you can definitely. Get them I'll get right them in. Direction. Yep, yep. I had somebody call yesterday down in Jackson County, and it's yep. like, here, this is the guy for you here. You know? <laughs> Perfect. Yep. Yeah. So, Matt, uh, can you share where our listeners can find more information about you and High Point Land Company, and how can they get a hold of you if they want to um, get in contact to make that next purchase or sale? Definitely. Um, check out our website, www.highpointlandcompany.com, all spelled out. And then uh, you could either give me a call or shoot me an email. My email is matt, M-A-T-T, at highpointlandcompany.com, all spelled out as well. Well, thanks, Matt, for coming today, and uh, much appreciated for having you as a guest on this episode of CSB Collaborative. It was great having you here and hope to see you again. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the invite to come over. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of CSB Collaborative. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. CSB Collaborative can be found on Apple Music, Spotify, our website, or whatever method you're using to listen to us right now. See you next time. Community Savings Bank is a member FDIC and equal housing lender. Learn more at www.csbiowa.com.